So I was assigned the entire chapter of Ecclesiastes 4. I have good news for you. A month ago, I preached a really, really long message. Not the record length of message. Pastor Andrew holds that. But boy, I was bumping up against that. So the good news is I am preaching a short message tonight. Yeah! And I have a surprise right at the end. So how do I want to approach Ecclesiastes 4? I want to capture a minor point, and I want to capture a major point. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes 4, sort of right in the middle where Psalms are, Proverbs, and bam, you're right there with Ecclesiastes. And I want our minor point to be this really poignant statement in verse 6. Take a look at this, follow along. Solomon says, one hand full of rest is better than two fistfuls of labor and striving after the wind. One hand of rest is better than two huge dollops of labor and working hard. So what's he getting at? Well, I think Solomon is getting at the whole idea that we are a driven people. Man, we want to see things happen. Some of you, some of me, (laughs) we're workaholics. We like working. We like just putting the nose to the grindstone and constantly going after it. We rarely take time to pause, to slow down, or to stop. And it's not just in relationship to work. It's just, well, we're sort of redlining the engine. If you know anything about a car engine, it's designed to to run at a certain RPMs. And if you look at your dashboard, when you're running way fast and that engine, it's redlining it. And I look at a lot of people today, and I think they're just living a redline life. They're just moving so fast. They're just grabbing for whatever they can. They've got two hands just full of labor. And what does Solomon say? He says it's like chasing the wind. Much, much better to have a hand, just one, just one hand of rest. Let's put some other things to that. How's the word renewal sound? Maybe tonight you come in and you're just tired Life's been hard. Work's just, you've just started a new job and you're just busting your tail and you've had things happen. It's like, I'm just so tired. I just need a break. I need to be renewed. Some of you need a, some leisure. You know, and it's not just getting away from the winter and a vacation. It's maybe just having a bit of a break, just to catch your breath, like over a weekend. But it's this opportunity of rest where we have the chance to slow down and recalibrate, refresh, renew, repurpose. I can just give you a lot of rewords. But that's what Solomon is saying. Here's this just this rat race, this treadmill we're on, and he says it's like chasing the wind. But instead, just let's have one hand of rest. And another way to think about it is. I think there's a balance here, an integration of being able to enjoy our work, but also enjoy the fruits of our work, as was preached recently, the gifts that God gives us. Let me give you an illustration. 
Um, when you go to chop wood, okay, with an axe, my trusty axe, okay, and again, I, I'm sort of like a hobby guy. I'll cut a tree down for firewood or something like that. But go back to the, the years of the lumbering industry, which really captured this part of the country, central, northern Wisconsin. Wisconsin River was this traffic way for logs coming down. And these lumberjack, these crazy people, they'd go up high and they'd just start just going chopping this tree and topping it, coming down and chopping it. And what would they do? They wouldn't chop all day long. They'd stop and pause to what? Sharpen the blade. Sharpen the axe. That's what Solomon is saying. Take a moment, take a time to have a hand of rest, to sharpen the axe, to sharpen the saw. And you're not always so high strung, just wound tight. But you take time to deal with maybe some of the dullness that's in your life. And you say, Lord, ah, would you help sharpen some things? Well, now go to your notes, and I'm going to give you your first quote. Great quote. Anonymous person says, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Huh? If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Well, wait a minute. Well, think about it. When you're so busy... You don't have time to take the pulse of your heart. You're so busy, you don't know closeness with the Lord. You're so busy, your friends are just feeling distant from you. I can go on and on. Busyness deals even with our physi physiology. You get worn down. So if the evil one can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Then Fred Mitchell was um, a Youth for Christ president, and he said this, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. I came from a work environment back in the Twin Cities where some of my co-workers boasted about how many miles they had accumulated on Delta Airline. That they were now at the silver, they were at diamond status. It was like the badge of courage how busy they were. And I wrestled with that because I just felt like I'm not going to run, I'm not going to redline my job or my life because I know what that barrenness is. I know what I was chasing in my 20s and 30s. And it, was all, it wasn't all great. It was that chase in the wind. Beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Well, I said this is a minor point. I'd like to say maybe this is a life-saving point. And for some of you, this is tough to slow down. Maybe even to unplug a little and get away from the screen, whatever that size of screen is type of thing. But say, Lord, would you just help me take one step toward having a hand of rest because I'm tired of two hands of work. All right, let's go to our major point. Clearly, men and women, there is no place in the church in this pursuit of Christianity and in this young adult group for solo, lone ranger Christianity. There's no place for this, this spirit of individualism that seems to pervade our society, what makes America great, this idea that I, I can do it on my own. And also, there's a real poverty of being a loner, of being isolated. 
And instead, there's an amazing beauty. There's an amazing power to the way that God has designed us to be in relationship, to be in community, to be a family, to be connected, to be together. So if you look at the top of our handout, tonight's title is what? Better Together. Better Together. Isn't that a great phrase? Better Together. Well, Solomon's going to give us a clear statement of what it means to be better together. Would you now move ahead a couple verses in chapter 4 to verses 6, and I'm going to read 6 through 12. I'm sorry, 9 through 12, starting with verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either one of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe, woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. We're better together. Two are better than one. And I love what Warren Wiersbe has done to sort of organize and summarize these four verses because he's created four W words, okay? So two are better than one in, our first word is working, in working. The whole idea that there's greater production, fruitfulness, there's greater labor that takes place when there's more than one person doing it. We're better together in working, in the workplace. But I think you could expand that. How many of you, if you're working, are working in some form of a team? You're part of a team at work. Raise your hands. Okay, take a look around the room. Good number of you, okay? Not a lot of solo effort in most of your workplaces. In work projects, the idea of... of, I cut trees down and I stack wood and, and I beg and bower and ask Connie, would you help me stack the wood? It goes a lot faster when there's two of us doing that. How many of you enjoy canoeing? Okay, some of you. Some of you who've canoed, have you ever been in strong winds? It's a little dicey, a lot dicey. And what a difference it makes when you're canoeing with another person, whether you're in the front or the back, you got twice as much power, you got a little more stability, you're able to, whether it's the harshest winds, a lot more stability, a lot more opportunity to get to your destination, even in the worst conditions, when you're not a solo canoeist. So two are better than one in working. Secondly, let's look at that verse because it's powerful. Verse 10 says, if even one of them falls, the one will lift up his companion, but woe to the one who falls when there is not another lifting up. Two are better than one in the simple thing called walking, journeying. Um, Remember, Solomon's writing a few years ago. They didn't have paved paths, groomers. They didn't have nice roads. This is Palestine. This is Israel. And the roads could be treacherous. The paths, there's, there's there's a pathway 
from Jericho up to Jerusalem. It's called the Wadi Kilt. And it's, it's not even a road. It's more just a path that the pilgrims would walk from Jericho up to Jerusalem for the high holidays like Passover and Yom Kippur. I have had the privilege of walking to just a slight portion of the Wadi Kilt. And I tell you, there are a couple places where it's like two people wide, and, and it was quite a drop-off. In other words, Solomon is saying, when you're walking particularly difficult paths, dangerous paths, it's really good to have a companion, to have somebody with you that in case you fall, that can what? Pick you up, care for you. What a practical illustration of what it means to be better together. Now you apply that to the journey of life. How important it is that as we follow this one called Jesus and try to figure out what it means to be Jesus and to live out this, this life and this gospel in this world, that, that we don't do it alone. And when we get beat up, we stumble, we, we take a step backwards, there's somebody there who can come alongside us. Take a look at the words I wrote there in terms of the benefits there. There's resilience. You're able to rebound from a, a, an accident or something that's just taken you out. You've got somebody who can hold you up, and someone's got your back. I hope you have someone in your life who's got your back. That's so important, whether it's at work or in friendships, but also in this journey called spiritual life together. Well, this third one is two are better than one in staying warm. Okay, let's think about this. Don't immediately go to marriage and a, and a man and a woman. This is, again, Solomon speaking, in, in Palestine, cold nights. And people didn't check into hotels. They didn't have a down sleeping bag that was guaranteed to 15 below. They had to endure sleeping outside. And guess what? They would, they would hold it together, pull a camel hair blanket or what have you over them, but they would huddle together for, for body heat just to stay warm. I've been in camping. I've been up at 11,700 feet and woke up to ice in my, my water cup. It was cold, and I didn't have the best sleeping bag. But I have to tell you the most embarrassing story. I love the backpack. Did it for years in Colorado. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to be backpacking with my grandson in the Collegiate Peaks uh, this uh, July with him. And, um, but one time, one time, the Lord opened up the door of my wife and her heart and her mind, and she said, yes, I'll go backpacking with you. Connie's more like the car packing or give me a nice cabin, warm bed, and all that bit. So we strapped on our backpacks and hiked up to Willis Lake, about four and a half mile hike. She did awesome. I was so excited. I, I love Willis Lake because it's always produced fresh cutthroat trout. So we... Set up tent. Oh, by the way, when I was setting up tent, I gashed my forehead on a branch. 
So I had about a half inch, and you know how just blood, and she said, what'd you do to it? I said, what do you think I did? So we got a Band-Aid, put it on there. So that should have been a sign to me. So I grabbed my fly rod. We hike eh, less than half a mile up to Willis Lake. I'm literally just beginning my casting, and the clouds just start moving in. And if any of you have been up in the mountains, you know weather can change like that. And all of a sudden, it started rain, and then the worst thing that could happen was what? Lightning, lightning, graphite, fly rod, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so I'm looking around. I'm saying, oh, I'm going to wait. There's a fish. i got to get that fish. And I look around. There's no Connie. I look behind her. She's huddled underneath a bush because it's starting the lightning. And she's looking at me like, you're a dumb idiot. Get out of here. <laughs> So I say, okay. So I grab that, and we're hoofing it down. You want to get down, down to tree line. And we get the tree line, and it's sort of raining, what have you, enough. But guess what? No trout. I was so confident that we were going to catch trout, I didn't bring any dinner. We're going to eat trout for dinner. I had potato soup for dinner. Needless to say, Connie and I are eating potato soup, and she's looking at me and saying, there could be more. There could be more. So we've got a fire going, staying warm, and um, we get ready to, to go to bed, and I go to my backpack. And folks, I've been backpacking, golly, con, what, 12 years now? I forgot my sleeping bag. 11,600 feet. It didn't rain, so it was moist, that type of thing. Now she's looking at me and saying, I don't want to be with you. <laughs> I would like to say that with one sleeping bag, we were able to stay cozy and warm. The fact that she hoarded, you selfish person, three quarters of the sleeping bag, half of my size is exposed to these raw elements. It was a really cold night. I attempted to stay warm by maybe getting close to her. She would have none of that. <laughs> Off I went. I don't know if this is a great illustration of staying warm, but first of all, it tells you what an idiot I was, the fact that I forgot a sleeping bag, didn't bring dinner. But two are better than one, and they can provide warmth. Are you okay? You're not offended here? Wow. <laughs> no, I'm not going to have you come up and tell the other side. <laughs> Ask her at the end. <laughs> oh, here's the last one. Yeah, Connie. Take a look at verse 12. It's a great verse. If one can overpower him who's alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. What Solomon is describing here is the unbelievable value of, of force multiplication, of not just one person, but now two people defending themselves, setting forth protection, having now double and triple the strength. It's a pretty simple, pretty simple illustration, but it makes sense. And keep in mind, this is not Wausau. This is Palestine three-some thousand years ago, and there's a lot of danger. There's a lot of uncertainty out there, and you don't know. 
if you're going to be attacked and overpowered. And so Solomon says, yeah, two are better than one. They can resist him. A cord of three strands um, one cannot easily um, overcome. So that idea of a cord of three strands has a lot of different applications, and I'm going to give you two tonight. So if you think about the cord, all right, let's think about here's this cord, and I'm going to suggest to you that one application of this is any type of relationship where God is the center cord or the center thread. Okay, and let's put two people there, all right? So let's weave one person around that cord, and let's weave the other person around that cord. And the idea is a cord of three strands is not easily torn apart. So men and women, one of the greatest gifts that Jesus Christ and the church gives is that you don't have to walk alone. There can be other people who you are in relationship with, with God being sort of that center strand, that, that chain, that anchor point that you weave your life around. And that type of gift, I, I don't know, there's words or money that can, that can buy something like that, how important, how valuable that friendship, that partnership is. That's what Solomon is really illustrating. But... I do believe there's another application of this to the idea of dating and marriage. And what I'm about to share with you, if you were with us last um, summer, I talked about marriage. So I apologize if this is a bit of a refresher. But I want to give you a very visual understanding of what a cord of three strands, with God being at the center, is in any dating relationship and marriage as God designed it. So I just want you to think about a triangle And in this triangle, I'm just going to use Fritz and Connie. We're doing sort of okay tonight. I'm going to get the lecture on the (laughs) backpack trip. So here's what often happens. Whether you're dating or in marriage or your attitude toward a person of the opposite sex, you get in any type of level relationship, you're excited because... You're not only attracted to that person, you're hoping that that person is going to meet some needs in your life. Your need for companionship, your need to be loved, your need to have a sense of significance, your need to feel like you're not alone. So I'm I'm asking Connie to meet my needs, and she's asking me to meet her needs. The problem, men and women is without God, this is what's called a closed system. In other words, last time I checked, Fritz is a very limited, finite entity. I don't have exhaustive love. I'm not 100% capable of forgiving. You see where I'm going with that? So a cord of two strands, okay, not bad. It's a relationship. But the problem is, it's not only limited in its resources, it's missing the actual resource and and energy because God designed a relationship between a man and a woman in this triangle. Connie and I call it our triad, and here's the secret of it. 
My first responsibility in my relationship with Connie is not to love her and to care for her. My first responsibility is to seek after God, to go for the center strand and say, Lord, you meet my deepest needs. You help me get through some of the junk in my life. And as God begins to pour back, pour back into my life, his person, his life, hope, love, a type of ability uh, to, to be honest and genuine, at this point now, I'm able to love God, uh, Connie with the love and the care of God. It's no longer a closed system. It's an open system. It's three strands with God at the center and you and that other person weaving your life around God, similar to this, but I like the triangle because it helps you understand that your first relation, your first priority in your relationship is to the Lord. Then as the Lord pours back into your life, you're able to then pour into that other person's life as God has been working in you. So it's not Connie's job to make me happy. It's not Connie's job to make me feel loved. It's not Connie's job to make me feel important. I'm saying, Jesus, you got to do that in my life. Make sense? Okay? Sorry, I get excited about that. Two are better than one, a quarter of three strands. Now, I have to say something. This is really interesting. (laughs) Until yesterday, I was ready to go now to my three illustrations. But very briefly, I got undone by... Andrew's sermon last night, last night, yesterday morning. So some of you were there, some of you weren't. He basically started with this illustration of of working out with weights, heavy weights. And I stink at weights, okay? I'm a swimmer. I love to swim. I don't like to do weights. And he told a story of one of his friends working out alone with 240 pounds on a bar. I can't even imagine that. And what happened is the guy pushes off the bench And all of a sudden, and he is stuck. He can't get it up. He doesn't have the strength. And guess what? He's alone. There's no spotter, which is a cardinal violation anytime you're working out with weights. And here's what he said. I said, oh, this is so good for tonight's message to the young adults. He said, all of us need a spiritual spotter. You can write that down and take it to the bank. You need somebody who is alongside of you, able to help you with the burdens. Oh my God, is that good. Then he said this. I got I to gotta get my glass. I don't want to miss this. We all need a spiritual spotter. He said this. You can't lift or bear your burdens alone. That's a whole nother message. And then here's the thing. His little catchy phrase. He said this. Best way to bear your burden is to share your burden. Best way to bear your burdens is to share your burdens with others. Way to go, Andrew! He walked right past me as he finished his message, and I said, you just, you just preached half my message for, for Monday night. I asked Sam to upload that message onto our Facebook, Young Adult Facebook. Are we good? It's there. So if you got time in this next week, just listen to that message. It is so compelling, so good. It's something the church needed to hear. Okay, now, three illustrations. Watch this one. When you walk into young adults, I don't want you walking in and keeping your hands in your pockets. If you're new, 
a little uncertain, maybe a little shy, haven't had a great church experience, that's fine. You can walk around for a while with your hands in your pocket, but here's what we want you to do. Don't keep your hands in your pocket. Here's what we want you to do. Take your hands out of your pocket, and here's my, in my notes, I want you to extend a hand forward to those that are going to help lead you going to walk alongside you. That's what this group is about. That's what the church is about. A hand forward. Watch this. So as God brings people in your life to help you do this thing called following Jesus and doing life together, hand forward and a hand back. Now you're reaching and grabbing somebody and you're pulling them along. Do you see the chain? Do you see that togetherness? Men and women, that's how we were meant to live. Having relationships where there's others who are maybe a little further ahead of us, pulling us along, and those who are maybe just coming behind us, hand forward, hand back, and we walk together. Ah, I love this. Okay, second illustration. It's called the empty chair. It's empty because this is brilliant. No one is sitting in it. It's empty. It invites somebody to sit in it because it's empty. Now listen carefully. I want this young adult group to practice the empty chair hospitality. Which means whether it's this large group as we begin Monday, whether it's your small group that you're going to meet with in just a few minutes, or your circle of friends that are in this room or in the young adult group, would you please... Keep an empty chair so somebody can join. Let's not become a ghetto. Let's not become a country club. Let's not become, you know, a Kiwanis club. We're a hospital. We're, we're an army that God has called to do life in battle together. But my prayer, I'm so excited. Oh, here we go. How many of you in this room, you've just started coming starting the beginning of the year in January. Would you raise your hand? You're, you're here? Come on, we're not going to embarrass you. You're here in the last three months. Okay, watch this one. Keep your hands up. How many of you are here since the beginning of September when we started the fall? Raise your hand. Okay. First of all, thank you so much for coming and becoming part of this family. That's why we have these empty chairs, so there's always room for people to be a part of this family called the young adults. Oh, man. All right, my last illustration. And you're wondering, when is this guy going to be done? <laughs> Sorry, I got to do this double. <laughs> gotta, yeah, I got to suck it in. <gasps> All right, come here. I want to give you a great illustration. By why is this silly rope here in this room? There's two illustrations here. A hundred years ago, here in Wisconsin, in Minnesota, in the Dakotas, there were pioneers and, and farmers who lived in just crazy conditions. I don't think we have the blizzards and snowstorms that they even had 20 or 50 years ago. But 100 years ago, there weren't lights and all this stuff. There were farmers trying to survive the winter, keep their livestock alive. 
And what would happen is this terrible blizzard would come, this huge whiteout would come. But that farmer still had to feed and take care of their livestock in the barn. And that brave farmer put on whatever he could and walk out in this blizzard whiteout, okay? And some of them never made it back to the back door of the house. And they were found dead 50 yards from house because they got lost. And so you know what the farmers did? And maybe some still do. They put a rope to the back door of the house to the barn so that they could find their way to the barn and find their way back to the house. Men and women, this is called the rope of hope. This is what it means to be better together. This is what this young adult group is. We are this rope that you can grab on with others and make it through a blizzard, make it through life. Now let me give you a second illustration that's probably a little more why do I have this on. Eh. Mountaineering. I've done some mountaineering. I've done rock climbing, rappelling. But I've not done Mount Everest. And I'm absolutely captivated by Mount Everest. And near the end of the hike, and you're in what's called the death zone, above 26,000 feet, it's called the Hillary Step. It's just absolutely dastardly. And you go slow, you can, you're breathing oxygen, you're sucking air if you don't have oxygen. But you know what? You have to hook up and rope up your carabiner to that rope as you make your way up the Hillary step. Men and women, rope up. Rope up here at the Young Adult Group. Clip in. And let's walk, let's hike, let's do life together. Last thing I have for you is a powerful saying from an African proverb. Listen to it. I'll say it twice. So I want you to hear it from me and look at me. And then you can write it down. African proverb says this. If you want to run fast, run alone. If you want to run far, run together. I want to run far with you. I want this, this group to run far together. Together. So... Rope up. We are better together. Now my surprise. I'm going to ask Riley to come up. And I asked her if she would be willing to share. And do we have a microphone, Sam? Yeah. Thanks, Maggie. Bring that. Riley, oh, you got it. You're on top of it. Riley, I've asked her just to share a brief story of how she's roped up. What this group was meant and how we're better together. So thanks so much for sharing. I don't know. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so basically they just asked me to share a fun story with you guys and my journey with young adults. So um, three years ago, I started coming to young adults. That's right about the time I became a believer. And I was coming on and off when I was back from school. But then COVID hit, and I came back for the summer, and that's when we were doing the young adults in the parking lot with lawn chairs and such. And that was when I made my first young adults friend, Brittany. Um, we both came alone and asked to sit together. And so we did. And then we started going through Colossians together. Mm. 
we had no idea what we were doing. We were just going to a coffee shop and reading through Colossians and talking about Jesus. And um, still to this day, one of the biggest gifts I've ever had in my life from God was seeing him work in her life. And just, yeah, I love her. So then also that summer I met my mentors or they were our small group leaders at the time, uh, Chuck and Joanne Altman, if you know them. They're like late 70s, early 80s. And I just had a three-hour lunch with Joanne the other day because I don't make large decisions without talking to Joanne. She <laughs> is the most faithful woman I know. And, um, yeah, so those are just two gifts right there that I learned from that COVID or gained from that COVID summer. Um, flash forward to December 2021. I graduated college from UW-Milwaukee, came back here to Wausau. It was pretty scary. Um, pretty much my life was hitting the fan for the most part. Um, that's where I was at, not doing so hot. I was coming home to an unbelieving family, which I love them so much, but it can be really difficult being mm -hmm. the only believer in your family. And also really not having anyone, having many people besides Brittany back home who were believers. So not really sure what I was gonna do. I was pretty nervous, but then the Young Adults Winter Conference happened and I kinda knew Ryan through some funny circumstances and um, so we were at the winter conference and Ryan and I are like we want to play a game we wanted to play code names so we just saw some random people walking by and we're like hey you guys want to play a game with us and it's kind of in history ever since um, we met the or I, Ryan introduced me to the Coopers then and there was this whole whole small group of people that were willing to come alongside me and also yeah. initially it was just so fun like we were just having so much fun together we would I think we hung out seven days in a row after the winter conference <laughs> none of us slept ever we were just hanging out watching movies playing games all that good stuff but then from that the relationship deepened and we were able to bear each other's burdens like yeah, Andrew was saying and mm -hmm. whether that be in prayer or we had, I remember specifically, just a car ride where we just worshiped and cried and prayed together and just bearing each other's burdens, um, just like that. And then came the accountability, which was awesome. I mean, asking hard questions, all of us. Um, yeah, just, it's really cool to see accountability happening how it's supposed to happen yeah. within this group of believers. So now, we are gonna start studying the word together this week. And it's funny because the, at least in my experience, when I was in Milwaukee, I had a really great community there. And a lot of it though was females. So seeing guys actually taking their faith seriously was really, really cool. And seeing them do their Bible studies um, and yeah. everything that they're doing yeah. has really pushed us and specifically me to want to continue to deepen my relationship with Jesus. and. Overall, it's just iron sharpening iron and also just having a lot of fun and joy doing it. So that is kind of my story. Yeah, and it just it. shows we are, I feel like we are so much better together. I would not have healed from this past season of my life without this group mm. the way that I have. Um, and I didn't really expect them to come into my life, but I'm so grateful. And the last thing I wanted to say was I wrote this down while you were talking. So in verse 12, it says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken, which is 
exactly what you were talking about up here. And just thinking about that back to back, um, just sharing how we're actually genuinely praying for each other. I had so many, like literally almost everyone in the group reach out to me saying that they were praying for me before coming up and talking here. <laughs> and that's just exactly what God desires for all of us. And yeah, I love young adults. So that's oh, it. <laughs> way to go, Riley. Thank you. No, you're going to pray. We would love to pray for you as a group in this thing of roping up and being better together. Why don't you start, I'll close. Sure. Um, dear Jesus, just thank you for this space that we are able to gather. Thank you for the leaders that push us, that work not only to make us feel loved by the Lord, Father, but also to convict us and to see life mm -hmm. transformation. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done on the cross as we prepare, prepare for Easter and um, just that immaculate work that you've done, that unearned grace that you have given us that we just have to receive, Father. I just thank you for that. And mm -hmm. ultimately, I just pray that people would be bold here mm -hmm. walking into young adults, that you would have one hand forward, one hand back, yeah. like Fritz was saying. And yeah, we just love you, Jesus. Would we continue to further our relationship with you? I so agree. Thank you that you're the rope. You're the center. You're the reason we're together. Thank you that you give us the privilege of a hand forward, a hand back. Keep the chair, empty chairs around and let people find them and become part of this family. Help us to rope up to God in ways that we don't even know tonight, but we'll know in the days to come. Live now in our small groups and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks so much.